0: Welcome, everyone, to the Pop Culture Podcast by Fantastic Geek, your official, unofficial voice of the Marvel Cinematic community. My name is Matt, and joining me, as always, is Pete. Hello, Pete. Don't
1: freeze. Our Black Panther review today by Fantastic Geek brought to you, Matt, by Princess Shuri Sneakers. You know, because they
0: sneak. <laughs> Well done Pete. Welcome everyone. So excited to talk the the effervescent, the aspirational and the downright wonderful Black Panther. Pete, should we head right into our debrief?
1: Well, Matt, let's first talk about what we got coming up, what we've just taken care of, this being the 18th Marvel Cinematic Universe. Film. Those of you listening, of course, on the Marvel Movie Podcast by Fantastic Geek know you have access to the 17 previous ones. Those of you listening on the Pop Culture Podcast may not have known even that there's a dedicated Marvel Movie Podcast by Fantastic Geek. So you can listen just to those, you know, with Infinity War coming in May and this very, very important movie for a lot of different reasons in Black Panther. But we got another show coming on soon coming back in agents of shield and another one coming back after that in jessica jones
0: yes excited certainly excited for agents of shield as the as the legacy mothership equally excited to see Jessica Jones return she one bad mother who kicks butts all up and down New York City and uh, so excited to see that show return on International Women's Day Pete this is a this is a great time for diversity and uh, have it all there agents of shield Jessica Jones here we are back to to Black Panther and uh, I'm excited to jump right in absolutely <laughs>
1: When we catch you up on what went down, and Matt, it's about damn time.
0: It is. Everyone has noted, and obviously, obviously rightfully so, the uh, the powerful uh, people of color who have made this movie, the women who have made this movie, uh, and then, of course the uh, the the presentation of uh, uh, of African culture, albeit in the fictional world of Wakanda. Uh, but uh, just all that this movie sums up in terms of having a discussion about race, having a, having a positive view on race, being a, uh, being a movie that has uh, people of color in front and behind the camera, but nonetheless, uh, you know, oriented towards a wide audience and on track for a huge, huge opening and a huge, huge success. And uh, here we are, Pete. It's finally here.
1: We get this big budget, nearly all black cast blockbuster, long, long overdue. And uh, Matt, the the credits were in the process of rolling uh, and you turned to me in the theater and you said,
0: Pete, I said, we have just seen the movie that's going to win uh, Marvel Studios an Oscar for costume design. This uh, done by Ruth E. Carter, just transcendent costume design that's not to take away from the direction from the cinematography this this film shot by oscar nominee rachel morrison i think potentially there the film can aspire to a number of oscar nominations much as wonder woman did unfortunately wonder woman not getting uh, any of the biggies we had hoped for but i'm telling you pete in a little over a year from now this will win the oscar for best uh, best costume design
1: i really agree with you here matt Peak Afro-futurism as far as these outfits are concerned. You know, you have the Dora Milaje with their, you know, just resplendent reds and golds. Um, complete with the, uh, the the neck circles, the gold neck circles there. Just the, the things from African culture updated as they are in this hyper-futuristic uh technologically advanced fictional kingdom of wakanda it was uh lush it was luminous it was exotic yet familiar to look at and it just pops every second it's on screen
0: and i feel like the the cultural overflow uh for for at least for me as a white person Never before have I gone down a click hole on Wikipedia to to research uh, this costume designer, and I'm seeing her influences, which mm-hmm. range from a variety of African tribes, and I'm learning more about those. And then she's pulling in some other, you know, less uh, well, sh- shall I say, more familiar uh, references, some you know European designers and Donna Karen in the U.S. and things like that. And there's just this synthesis going on, and you're, you know, for me personally, I'm learning about I'm learning about perspectives and views even when it comes to lowly costume design that I had not before. And Pete, this is what? This is uh, less than, you know, what, what, 18 hours after you've seen the movie and and the cultural cup runneth over.
1: Absolutely. And can I, is it too early, Matt, to call this a masterpiece by uh, Ryan Coogler?
0: I think that when you look at the, when you look at the story, which to me is a, Perfectly fine story. I don't think that this, you know, this was not the reinvention of the comic book genre for all time. This was, uh, I, n- nor do I want to say this was a straightforward presentation. I think that this was, this was a familiar way to introduce characters, and not just in a comic book way. I mean, the fact that there's a familial struggle and whatnot. I mean, this this gets to the the basis of of humanity uh, and all of that. But then you layer on all these extra elements that are both simultaneously. Uh, Kind of authentically African, or or viewed through a lens, you know, a creative lens, as you said, Afrofuturism and and things of that sort, and then make it this this mass market appeal, um, but still be able to, to to resonate from its source. That's that's the masterpiece effect there that he was able to direct all of these pieces together into co- into a cohesive unit.
1: This man is thirty one years old, Matt. Thirty one. We have god willing a lifetime of movies from him give him my star wars now please give him one give him the boba fett movie give him the ahsoka movie give him a star wars movie please kathleen kennedy matt's favorite uh producer in all of hollywood has uh, intimated, they've struck some deals that they haven't announced yet, Lucasfilm, and I'm just so hopeful we're going to hear and Ryan Coogler directing this um, because this was a joy to watch. It was a joy to look at. Um, Loved every moment of it.
0: The only thing I would say on Coogler, and this isn't even a negative, just I don't know to what degree he as an artist and he as an auteur might say, all right, I did Fruitvale Station, which was small and well-received. I did Creed, which was obviously a familiar universe, but but of a of a smaller scale than, say, a Black Panther or Star Wars. I don't know if at a certain point he says, all right, now that Black Panther is done with, now I'm going to do my small, quiet $8 million movie. I'm, I'm going to do the Ryan Coogler La La Land, or whatever that kind of passion project is. He can go the do with...
1: whatever he wants, man, because... <laughs> Uh, I had not seen Creed. I had not seen Fruitvale. Uh, I'm a fan now. Yeah. I'm a fan. And, uh, you know, <clears throat> beginning as this does with this 1992 prologue uh, in Oakland, California, and felt felt a little bit like some of the John Singleton stuff that no doubt has to be an influence where we have um, the character of uh, Prince Najobo played by Sterling K. Brown um, who is prepared to arm people uh, we don't initially realize because of the the accent we we think this is a gangland thing that this is uh, you know 1992 the, the uh, public enemy poster in the in the background and then come to find this is an elaborate sting It uh, was a great way to reintroduce the deceased king in T'Chaka, T'Challa's father, as a younger man, um, to show the Black Panther's reach uh, 26 years before and uh, really bring you into the story that way.
0: On the topic of N'Jobu, Pete, this is why I live, hashtag spoiler free, to see Sterling Brown on screen. There was just this moment of, Oh, my goodness. That's Sterling Sterling K. Brown. Somebody who, by the way, has honored us once with a, yes. re- replying to a tweet back. Pete, back when he was uh, when he was small potatoes uh, in uh, the people versus O.J. Simpson. E- e- were, easy
1: with your small potatoes, Matt. There, there's no such thing as Sterling K. Brown and small potatoes unless he orders some small potatoes. <laughs>
0: but i mean i mean what a treat to see him and i love that the story is able to loop back and give him a bit more uh screen time mm-hmm. and um i have to mention by the way something that i uh came across in preparing for the podcast obviously as you mentioned pete the return of uh, T'Chaka, uh the the elder or T'Chaka in, in in his older state played by john uh connie uh connie's son atandwa connie plays young Tichaka. so I mean right there. How do you not love that that father and son get to play the elder and the younger versions of uh, of King Tachaka?
1: Yeah, and it really sets the stage for the film, like you said, how we loop back to it a little bit later on with the the disclosure of the of the cover-up and the and the betrayal that went on there and even checking in on Ulysses Claw who is Provided uh, the the vibranium here that uh, N'Jobu, uh worked with to get it out of Wakanda um, and setting the stage for that later conflict with Eric Killmonger. We
0: uh, we also get some more background there on the Wakanda vibranium um, as well as the uh, the heart shaped herb that uh, that that imbues the vibranium. This is the beginning of uh, uh, of one of the most successful through lines in the movie, which is you can largely watch this movie and not know anything about the Marvel mm-hmm. Cinematic Universe before, during, and after. The only, the only little bit being literally the very end, and we'll discuss that right at the very end, in part because it has very little bearing on this particular story. I could not help but think that Spider Man Homecoming, which I re, uh, rewatched in the last week. Here they've engineered that story to be so deeply entrenched into the MCU that I don't think Sony realized they can't do standalone Spider Man's after Marvel is done with it because this Spider Man is so tied to the MCU. Flip side, you can take anyone to go see Black Panther mm-hmm. and say, well, what do I need to know ahead of time? Because I know that sometimes there's, you know, the Captain America and the Hulk and where is Hulk and the... no, just. You can watch this movie from beginning to end. And if you stop after the first you know stop after the first um the the first uh, uh, secret scene there, which now is not so secret because they make these uh, end titles so magnificent to watch, you get a complete movie, the end. and there's no need for any further reference outside outside this story,
1: and I think that's so critical to what this movie and its representations stand for, that there's no massive mythos to have to decode to do it. It's, it's intimidating for some people. Oh, man, there's 17 previous films in this series that I got to come in with the knowledge of. You don't. It's going to catch you up. These are designed as standalones. Some are easier to get into than others. This one is effortless, down to the really stylized way using the the wakandan tech you know almost uh reminiscent of the effect in man of steel with the you know the the nanite designed uh storytelling tech to tell us how the um, you know, with the father's explaining to the, the son and the flashback there, how the meteor landed with the vibranium, how the vibranium seeped into the ground. And now we have the heart shaped herb, which gives the black Panther, his power and boom, you're, you're into it.
0: Something that surprised me as we come out of that, uh, we have the 1992 prologue and then kind of that, um, you know, the, the tale of vibranium coming and whatnot, when we get to present day, you know, and much, much digital link and much digital voice has been, has been spilled and, uh, and, and used respectively to talk about the MCU timeline and whatnot. Couldn't help but notice that we have, um, the, the death of, um, T'Chaka is recent. It's within the last week. Uh, so f- I think a, there's a certain point where we all stop nerding out about exactly where things are on the timeline.
1: No, no, Matt. I need my timeline to know to the calendar week where they are and in what year you're a hundred percent correct. We we (laughs) just need to calm down. I mean, the one in Spider-Man, the eight years prior, you know, people are still buzzing about that one now that Spidey Homecoming has hit, uh, hit cable and, and people are really pouring over that. I think that'll be made clear with Infinity War. But, yeah, we're coloring in this in-between time here and that this story takes place then uh, with many, many of these characters we've never met yet. Um, it really interests us.
0: We uh, We catch up with... Uh, t'challa thank goodness pete he's watching bbc news to help give us perspective as to where this relates to other marvel stories i.e the death of his father we get the tidy expositional news catch up and uh they're on the uh the futuristic plane back to wakanda Uh, t'challa and uh, okoye flying love the tactile way in which i mean again they don't overdo it there's not like we're gonna do tons of for example, with all due respect to Doctor Strange that has all the kind of the 3D animation over the hands that show magic. We don't see a ton of that here with her flying. There's just kind of some glowy bits as she holds her two hands up to, to maintain flight. And uh, we quickly learn that uh, their plan is to to pull out of, uh, of some sort of captivity. Uh, uh, Nakia, who is uh, revealed in the course of exposition, also also has a past with T'Challa.
1: Yeah, and I've been saying it and having seen the film and, you know, the number of people who are talking about somebody we knew as Michonne on TV, but uh, Denai Guerrera is just going to be a mega, mega star uh, as General Okoye here. Uh, the, the calm, the characterization, and then you bring in Lupita Nyong'o's uh, Nakai, this, um, this spy, uh, somebody who's, who's undercover in this operation, and all three of them team up in her extraction before bringing her back to Wakanda so she can be there, the ex of uh, T'Challa for his coronation
0: given is how they they need to check so many boxes here to introduce characters to introduce the world i mean we've gotten it a bit referenced in civil war and then in the secret scenes in civil war but you know they need to introduce the story properly here and you get all that step by step with the two of them uh before too long princess shuri is uh is introduced and her effervescence as as a creator as a scientist as an an intellectual person Uh, i must confess pete the one thing at least if if you believe the wikipedia it did not read to me that she was 16 which is the claim on wikipedia but certainly a certainly a young a young woman who's filled with brains filled with uh passion for her country and uh prepared to uh to help the black panther uh, you know, with uh, with her, her Q-like tech, if we can make a James Bond reference.
1: This film does such multiple service, first in the representation of Africans, some American, some not. And then uh, in terms of the women, you look, this is just a who's who of strong, excellently portrayed uh, African women um, Lupina Nwongo, and now uh, Letitia Wright here. What a what a great character for a young girl uh, to see on screen. Um, when has there been another character like this, Matt? Uh, a young African techie type of girl. Uh, her brother's keeper here with the gadgets, the 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 Q, and then a little Tony Stark mixed in there. Funny savvy smart there there's there's a, a a thirst for this and we're just starting to slake it
0: and uh p- perhaps uh perhaps i should know better but pete i must confess i can't name another guyanese actress that i've seen on screen before so again dipping into some of these actors behind the characters it's it's you, you know they they have actors from around the world here and all of a sudden you kind of wake up and go, wow, she's fantastic. And if you're a studio or whatever, all right, well, if she's not available, hey, who does she know or who, who has she been in things right. with? Or now you can now you can start to look to, to Guyana or to, you know, to, to other places. I know, uh, for example, uh, Winston Duke, who plays uh, M'Baku, who we'll discuss a little bit from Trin- Trinidad and Tobago. Um, <laughs> side note, Pete, uh, his alma mater is the University of Buffalo, uh, mm-hmm. But but just this wonderful, wonderful international flavor to the movie.
1: Yeah. And by the time we have the coronation about to uh, occur here, the, the great scene with the boats and then the, uh, the kind of like the, the little procession as they're on their way there. And we've had the exposition of the the four tribes and the four tribes are are down with T'Challa. They're not going to challenge him. But you knew that other tribe, that Jabari tribe, headed up by Umbaku, because there's some some intrigue in the Wakanding kingdom was going to lead to a challenge.
0: Yeah, and what a spectacular scene that was that that coronation that then leads to a challenge by combat. Uh, that's a set Pete that is a vertically created Mm -hmm. set in Atlanta Uh, obviously digital extensions and whatnot but just I mean again here's what happens when you bring new people in I know that Ryan Coogler had um, had said to Marvel you know like I'm keeping a lot of my people with me I'm keeping my my longtime uh, you know music composer and and cinematographer and so on and so forth Uh, in fact I think he even had a quote somewhere that was like The Marvel movies look the same because they're all done by the same people back at the studio. And I don't even think he was meaning necessarily that as a race thing. Just I think back to Civil War, which has so many strengths, but the color is faded and it's edited too quickly in in some fight scenes and things like that. And you get this perspective in Black Panther in addition to the 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 racial end of things you get this artistic perspective the colors pop the sets pop it's new blood to bring in this story that also then benefits the new location the new characters and the diversity and and so forth
1: yeah and between this waterfall set you know just laden with people in really interesting and evocative outfits based on real african tribes you know the one guy with the massive uh you know lip ring uh that his has circuitry on it because they're in wakanda and it probably like controls a a drone or whatever it would and then you have the fight which sets up the concept of okay when this happens to a black panther they strip him of his strength and it's purely man to man and then you take the heart shape herb and they bury you to uh to to come back with that strength and, and you you have the the vision uh w- which sets up nicely again to introduce reintroduce uh, T'Chaka and uh, to bring in that aspect and, and later with the, the other challenger as well in Eric Killmonger.
0: And indeed, you kind of sort of get it a third time when, uh, when T'Challa is buried in the snow and, and has mm-hmm. that vision. So I just love that, A, it's evocative on its own just as the process of crowning the new king, but that we're also laying story track for it to be repeated two more times uh, is you know, I guess what I'm, what I'm trying to say is it does not appear to be, oh, we're setting up story stuff for later. This is Chekhov's burial thing for later on. It just it stands on its own and then gets revisited and revisited.
1: And by then, Matt, it's time to go on a mission here. We're going to go finally bring back Ulysses Claw, who's eluded Wakanda for a lot longer than I think we all assumed when we initially saw uh, Age of Ultron. I mean, what now? Three, four years ago? <laughs> three years ago? Yeah.
0: Certainly, the notion that he's been he's been escaping them for thirty years. I would have to, I'd have to rewatch the movie to see what the story benefits are of going back that far. Maybe that gets you back far enough for some sort of collision course with the Captain Marvel movie, and it's just a real sly setup without calling attention to it. Maybe it's just the weight, as is mentioned in this movie, the weight of, you know, uh, T'Chaka could not get this guy for so long. And it was, it it was a, it was a shame for that King. Um, I do kind of find it a little difficult to imagine that this, this great technological, uh, country couldn't track this guy down, uh, for 30 years flip side. If they're also trying to keep themselves completely hidden, I guess, I guess that's, (laughs) Yeah, you know, I can see how how it works out, but the thirty year number certainly surprised me.
1: It seems an issue of will from one king to another, and then immediately this Black Panther is going after him. He's friends with Wakabi, whose parents were killed at the border while uh, Claw was getting away with the vibranium. So th- th- this is a sin on that family that T'Challa is looking to write to fix. And we go on this sting operation. It's, it's in the, the Korean club. It's, it's James Bondy. It's, uh, it's slick. We've got, um, deny in the, uh, the wig there when we know that she's bald and the, and the humor on top of that, that it, th- this thing is on top of her head. And what do you know? We introduce Kay Everett reintroduce. I should say Kay Everett Ross in Martin Freeman
0: quickly. Just wanted to mention, you mentioned uh, there's a James Bond feel to it. How about this? When Ryan Coogler is done with his small personal movie for which he'll mm. win an Oscar or something, then he goes on to do star Wars. And when he's done with that, he wants to hop over to James Bond. He's got chops for all three
1: with Edris Elba as, James Bond at cinema.
0: Again, this guy in May he's going to f- turn 32. I mean, this yes, you know, yes. Many people have seen Fruitvale Station. More people saw Creed. This is this guy's introduction to. I was going to say the rest of his career. He's got three movies to his to his name, Pete. I mean, this guy this guy is the future of uh, of, of Hollywood in a ton of ways. Um, ultimately, though, we have uh, as you said, Pete, we have this. Uh, this meet that has been set up between Ross and uh, and Claw for for there to be a buy and uh, Claw certain pardon me Ross is certainly aware that uh, T'Challa is there and, and Ross pleading just this this buy which is not happening officially let it happen and I'll owe you later on um, wh- which I think is kind of a nuanced kind of you know political statesmanship kind of thing but uh, T'Challa wants nothing of it
1: he doesn't and um with all of our main pieces uh, in the area and then some remotely we go on this uh chase that we've got Shuri in the uh the VR uh car there doing it we've got the suits we've got the girls given chase it's just a great set piece early in the film um I thought a lot more of this film would take place away from Wakanda. I'm so glad it didn't. And you have such wonderful intrigue that goes on there. But this added a layer to it in that here they are out in the rest of the world. Um, T'Challa is ready to end it at the end of the chase. And you have the women who are bringing him back into the, the reclusive idea the world is watching.
0: The casino fight, really, really well shot. I suppose we should mention before the fight breaks out, we get the Stan Lee cameo, who's just Mm -hmm. gonna take those chips and keep them over here. (laughs) Um the choreo the camera choreography of the fight, thumbs up to Ryan Kugler, thumbs up to cinematographer Rachel Morrison. I know they went for a faux extended cut thing. I could, with mine eyes, Pete, I could see a couple spots where they were doing kind of hidden cuts in camera Mm -hmm. kind of thing, uh, which is not to take away from it. Guess what? I don't want, you can't spend my $200 million to go make a movie that does a a three minute uncut action scene, throw some cuts in there and you want to do it in an artsy way, that's fine. But, you know, let's not not go too crazy here. Again, Mint has praised that they go for something that appears to be uncut as we go balcony down and wipe over and up and this and that, the other and all this camera movement. Again, we're seeing people that that are simultaneously at the height of their craft, but also just beginning. Rachel Morrison's thirty nine. Pete, she's an Oscar nominee this year. These are people who are going to help yeah. define where films go. Whether they're you know whether it's high end stuff like Mudbound or more. Uh, I don't want to say that Black Panther is not highbrow, but you know it's not artsy fartsy, pinky out. But these are these are pinky out people making this great movie.
1: Yeah. And other than Killmonger escaping, the end result of this fight and subsequent chase is that uh, Everett has been uh, hurt and that he needs medical science that is not available for him in the rest of the world. So this is going to get him back to Wakanda, someplace that he and the rest of the world thinks is a third world country
0: super surprising to me although i guess in retrospect this is a marvel thing so i shouldn't have been surprised the notion that shortly thereafter uh killmonger tracks down claw and kills him Mm -hmm. not just well maybe it's the shot to the side no kills him dead uh ultimately to present to Wakabi uh as kind of a, a, a ticket back into the country if you will that had me completely shocked. Now, of course, let's see. They've done that with other baddies who come from other movies, such as uh, Crossbones, who who you know narrowly escapes at the end of uh, at the end of Winter Soldier, only to return for the first five and a half minutes of uh, of Civil War, things like mm-hmm. that. But I guess it, it speaks to to my impression of uh, of the esteem that Andy Serkis has that you dare kill him off halfway through. And I was shocked, particularly because Claw is clearly a bad guy. And as we get into Killmonger later, he's the villain in this movie. I don't know the Killmonger is a villain.
1: I don't think he is either, and I think that's what makes him as interesting as it does. We didn't even go into his introduction there in the uh, the the British Museum where he and his crew, uh, Claw included poison the art gallery manager and then he's, he's stealing, uh, Wakandan, uh, artifacts who were, um, or, or that were taken. And then, you know, he takes the mask there, which he's just feeling, uh, but the, he's had that american influence you know they they talk about the the missions he's he's been on and how he's earned that name and and he lives up to it but he's not one note he is a complex character and he has the legitimate claim to the throne hence again the intrigue there. working with uh wakabi and uh how great that actor daniel kaluuya matt nominated for best actor in a leading role for get out and here in this great supporting role wants to do what's right by the memory of his parents at the same time um you know makes a makes a deal here with a with a guy with uh, some not so savory uh connections
0: And again, you see all the layers built in here, and I mean, with all due respect to to the two greatest film villains out there, Darth Vader and Jaws, all right, Darth Vader shows up, you know he's a bad guy because he's bad. Yes, there's some backstory later on, but it's like, he's bad because he's bad. Same thing with Jaws. You don't question why Jaws eats people. Jaws does what Jaws does. And and that's well and good oftentimes, but to add these layers here, where it's not just even the nuance of of uh, Eric Killmonger and his rightful claim to the throne, but how is he gaining a coalition with him because Wakabi? You know, because Wakabi has seen what happens when Claw has not been kept in check and all of that. And all of this is going on amidst the cinematography and the music and the costumes and the very accessible story of good guy, bad guy and things of that sort.
1: Right, which ultimately leads to that challenge for the throne and we have the fight and we can tell the beats. It's It's OK to write by number here that it's not going to go. Uh, T'Challa's way, that he's uh, injured, that the, uh, the Forrest Whitaker character, Zuri, who who's, you know, great in the limited role that he's there. He was the one on the sting operation who turned on Killmonger's father and uh, how everything was covered up and – we have Killmonger win the throne. We have him take over and Michael B. Jordan in this role, you know, a lot of talk that he's, he's right there with Loki as far as, uh, Marvel cinematic universe film villains are concerned until we meet the, the purple guy in May in a, in a real feature, uh, mode. But, uh, i don't think of him so much as a villain he he comes across here other than his mission which is let's let's arm uh two billion africans all over the world and and have them lash out in in anger and hatred for you know centuries of mistreatment um which is antithetical to the to the black panthers mission to the heart-shaped herb as symbolism um, but he truly doesn't come across as a, a cut-and-tried villain. I,
0: I doubt that most viewers w- would go for a one-for-one, one, oh, I am literally for arming billions of people for, for all-out war, uh, but I think the, the aesthetic behind it, you know, in, to whatever degree we have the comic book veil and the sci-fi veil and whatnot, um, I may have a little bit of a difficult time fully understanding the perspective of Killmonger and how he wants to do that again, even through the comic book veil, but that's okay. You know, he, he's not speaking to me, Pete, he's speaking to people who, who, you know, who know oppression and Mm -hmm. et cetera. So, I mean, again, I'm not going to take word for word. He is instructing viewers to take up arms against, you know, so on and so forth. So since that's not the case, that message of hey when when are we going to put the brakes on and really make a change here because we can with the with the proper tools hopefully tools of peace and tools of intellect and whatnot but you know when it when is the time going to come how about now uh it's difficult to argue against uh, particularly when they're going on the nose enough to just make sure that you're not losing the truth behind that comic book veil and when there is reference to colonialists and things like that where mm-hmm. Again, they're walking this really wonderful line and it seems effortless to make the metaphor clear when it's clear and when it's when it's, you know, purple space rock flower stuff. That's clear, too, as as, you know, being more fictional.
1: Right. And by the time it fractures our key group, of course, Okoyi being loyal to her her country and to the throne, she's going to stick it out and stay with uh Killmonger and then we have uh, Shuri and her mother played by Angela Bassett and of course uh, Nakia going on the run there heading towards the mountains to the Mbaku for uh you know for succor for assistance for the the ability to uh hide and that we bring T'Challa back into it, that they found him, that they have uh, kept him on ice, literally. And uh, we have one heart-shaped herb left. We'll talk a little bit later on what that could mean in the overall, you know, long-form story, but that they're able to bring him back.
0: I I, I love that the story takes the time to... Uh to visit the Jabari tribe in their in their mountain environs I mean j- just such great set design again the costumes here for Mbaku are fantastic uh those not in the know you know Mbaku in the comics has the the comic book name man ape which uh I think all involved agreed does yeah. not need to make it to the movie adaptation but Uh, Nor do we need a man dressed from head to toe as a, as a gorilla. But the fact that the costume retains that on the arms and in some of the, in some of the costume there without, you know, presenting it in a way that would not be appropriate for, for, (laughs) for the transition to film. um, You get all that power. And I mean, just that fantastic interior of the set and the exterior with the, the gorilla uh, uh, sculpture seeming to hold up the, 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 the point of the, uh, you know, the, the, the end of the, uh, the building there, I mean, it's all just, it's fantastic on its own. Then you add in all the story stuff where he really is starting to come around and we have this fifth tribe that, you know, has, has been in opposition, but let's face it, if it's supposed to be the five tribes of Wakanda, there is also that kind of missing piece of mm-hmm. when the five come together, you can be stronger and all of that. And, uh, and that sets up perfectly the end of that final battle where they come and help, save the day and you really get the sense that the five tribes are now united.
1: Yeah. I, if there's a little weakness in that battle in that, the, the two CGI suited characters wind up on the, on the train platform that techity tech makes their suits kind of disappear. And then they're able to,
0: their masks disappear.
1: Right. Right. And able to pierce it. That's fine you're not coming to this film for that one scene. You're coming for everything that this represents. And obviously the black Panther needs to win in the movie called black Panther, not killmonger. And he takes him out, but the rhinos and the Wakandan, uh, gunships and everything that went along with it, even Shuri with her, her Panther, blasters there that she's able to, uh, to use it. It's, it's fun. It's fast. And again, it's so overdue. Let
0: me mention, I was surprised that they killed off Killmonger. I mean, the story had you right there. Yeah. It's, you know, like, no, uh, you shall be healed. And then, you know, whether it's put him in prison or just store story time out or whatever, to have him return, to have him be the Loki. For them not only to have the conviction to kill him off so the story has to pay that pound of flesh but then to really you know that i mean such an evocative line him saying that he wants his body to you know he wants to be buried at sea to join his his brethren who jumped off the slave ships those centuries ago i mean you know that that's not my cultural experience but that that hits me and that's just it's such an incredible incredibly powerful ending And it makes the character better throughout because now you say we had him for the one movie and that's it.
1: And you empathize. And this is something that only uh, these black filmmakers can add that to that, the writing that would come across that way and, and that you feel that empathy. Um, and I think it works very well for that to be the springboard for T'Challa to go back to Oakland in this epilogue to open this Wakandan outreach center, the first of its kind uh, in the building where the the family atrocity took place and, and was covered up uh, but for so long. And the kids get to see the, the hovercraft and know that. Hey, there. There is a real positive uh, kingdom in this world that could have gone another way, and uh, instead, getting into that post-credit scene uh, comes out and is going to figure very large for the future.
0: Certainly, uh, I mean, what you get with these last two scenes. Uh, by which I'm referring to the final scene for the credits. And then the first, you know, the first official post credit scene, you get this notion of a nation's responsibility, a mm-hmm. community, a, a sense of community. I don't want to, I don't want to say, you know, any one community, but the sense of kind of global community um, that Wakanda as a, as a nation of resources must look out for these people and must help, you know, must help people. Um, you get that in, in the beginning of the Oakland part. Well, pause momentarily to discuss just that fantastic smooth credit sequence that you get there i love that the movie showed the restraint who are you close up for him to say black panther nope smile go to credits opportunity what are you boom show the black panther logo nope just start the credits because a there's still more movie and b we've seen it before Mm -hmm. you know we've seen it before simple as that and pete i couldn't help but think You know, here we have Michael B. Jordan, the last time we saw him in the comic book movie, one of the worst ever. And then also had this belabored 45 minute wait, what was that? Did you just say fantastic? And there's, (laughs) you could call us the cut to Fantastic Four. No, just smoothly take us, take us on to the, you know, play us onto the credits. Then we got one more scene there that really is. Not just setting up the future of MCU stuff, but as far as I'm concerned, Pete, they had, uh, shall we say, they had some specific people in mind when they were talking about global responsibility and not getting distracted by the uh, the creation of divisions.
1: Yeah, you don't really need to be a genius to figure out what they're talking about. It's that second Credit scene, Matt, the one all the way at the end, which dovetails very nicely into the next Marvel Cinematic Universe outing. We're going to go on. You might have heard about it in the Avengers Infinity War. We have Sergeant Barnes. It's been a long time since he's been referred to uh, as that by Princess Shuri, who shoos these kids away who are you know hovering over him. And uh, he's he's missing his arm. Uh, we'll, we'll come back to that in a little bit, but he seems to be doing a lot better, uh, by his own words, but there's still work to be done.
0: I love that all you get from essentially outside the MCU, I mean, aside from a quick little reference to, um, Ross's adventures with like Panther in the previous movie, you know, this is really the only thing that's, that's not self-contained, uh, have to mention that, that we we saw uh other moviegoers um comment on the scene oh oh have they healed him since he fell off the train i was like no there's been a movie <laughs> or two since then yeah, however a lot <laughs> it's it's not because here's the thing at a certain point these marvel movies need to be made in a way where you don't need to have every detail memorized right for the purposes of this movie did he get healed after he fell off the train okay like that's not wrong. Yeah, there's a story in between those two, but he he fell off the train. he was injured. Now he's completely healed. Like that works too, if that's your level of fandom,
1: yeah. I mean, if if you saw Captain America and the the next movie that brought you back was Black Panther, well, it's it's been seven years. Welcome back. And uh, yeah, you can make that connection. there's There's a little bit that went on in between. And uh, how the Black Panther was involved. You may want to check out uh, Captain America Civil War. But it works that way too. A detailed look at our bad guys. Matt, let's begin at the beginning with Sterling K. Brown's Prince
0: Najobu. As we come to understand his character, um, again, it's from this perspective of all of these resources are are in Wakanda, and the decision is not to help those in need, whether it's other Wakandans outside the country, whether it's other people of African descent, whether it's people in need in general uh, who could benefit from the technology. And he's presented as a villain. Um, I think we come to realize, though he wants to achieve this, this help and this freedom through violence, which may be you know, maybe not all of us are cool with the message of we need to be doing more to help. It's difficult to argue with that, particularly when you look at the resources that Wakanda has.
1: It is. And I think the choice of performer only makes it that much harder to despise this character. I mean, Sterling K Brown from the people versus OJ as Christopher Darden now from this is us, which has gotten him a far, 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 Greater and even more deserved audience he is a sympathetic actor and to see that his ideology is distorted and and we we care for him as a performer to see him in this role makes it even more conflicting
0: similarly we have the character of mbaku who is is trying to maintain, you sense, not through some sort of speech, you sense that he's trying to maintain some sort of autonomy for his tribe, despite the fact that they are, sh- sh- shall we say, you know, least uh, oriented with the, the the capital city crowd and the powers right. that be. They're and, separatists.
1: They yeah. they want to be off on their own and you're entitled to, to do that if,
0: if you so choose. Well, well, separatists or to kind of use a model from our country, you know, are are they kind of more states rights type? Like, Uh fine, you're all swimming in the one direction. Guess what? We still have our own tribe, which is one fifth and stop trying to automatically say, well, we're all cool with the son of the guy being the next guy. Like we want equal share here, Uh, which again, I think is a message we can all get behind that, that you want, you want that representation.
1: And he makes his challenge. He's, he fails. His life is spared. So he has this debt, which is later satisfied uh, in taking care of T'Challa, and it it unifies the country in a way that it wasn't before. It's not overly complicated writing, um, and it really pays off.
0: Uh, we also have Wakabi, as mentioned before. You can understand his perspective there. And, uh, I mean, he's maybe given less... Um, less story business he has a ton of screen time which is great but kind of you know there's less of that story arc that that M'Baku has or Prince N'Jobu has but you understand where he's coming from and and his strength and his power uh back that up particularly when he's willing to when he's willing to change with the changing leadership and to to stick with not just the tradition stick with what we can assume is kind of the, the laws or the constitutionality of Wakanda that all right, there's a new King. And this is also a King whose message he's sympathetic to.
1: And identified early as general Okoye's lover that he makes this move is unexpected. And again, therefore layered. I love too how each tribe kind of has its own identity in not just the dress, but in terms of what they do, you know, they keep the rhinos, his, his group there. Um, And ultimately brought into that big battle at the end. And again, in uh, Daniel Kaluuya, to have this coming out this year, last year, and and then into this year between Get Out and now this, I think we're going to be seeing him in a lot more to come.
0: And as mentioned before, I guess we won't be seeing more of uh, of Kilmonger. Just I mean, wait. So,
1: so is that going to not give me my entire movie of origin story of of him as Supreme Leader Snoke and and everything he was doing behind the scenes, Matt? <laughs> um,
0: you know what, Pete? I guess that there's the possibility of a. Claw, Killmonger, Flashback, something or other. Uh, And and I say that somewhat in jest, you know. Remember when they did one-shots? Well, and if Disney wants to be creating stuff for their their forthcoming streaming service that won't be Hulu, I mean, I wouldn't say no to a talky, character-driven, some action scenes, you know, 75-minute one-shot or half hour, however long you want to make it, you know, Claw and Killmonger, you know, not attorneys of law, but Claw and Kilmaeger, you know, <laughs> you know, B- Bonnie and Clyde style. Like, sure, let's let's do that. But for the purposes of this story, no, we don't need to do that.
1: We don't, um, and it it gets it across just as much as it needs to. Circus eats up the uh, scenery in every scene that he's in. I love the 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 SoundCloud uh, joke in uh, in Korea. There with the entourage and everything else wanting to give, uh, K Everett Ross, I keep saying K Everett Ross. It's Everett K Ross. Excuse me. Uh, the, the link to his SoundCloud. Um, but he fulfills his purpose and then we get him out of the way so we can focus on who we're really meant to. And that's Eric Killmonger.
0: Pete, how would you like to dig deeper on this uh, this multifaceted story villain that we have, though not a villain to me?
1: I think that we're even having this conversation shows how successful the character is. Is he the best Marvel Cinematic Universe villain since Loki?
0: He, he certainly is the most sympathetic, and... A lot of loki's fun is because he's a naughty boy and not necessarily because we we kind of really dig his his uh his perspective he's up there killmonger is up there uh have to mention again just the the kind of costume he has in the beginning just that kind of you know it's a more realistic uh take with some body armor and the camo pants and whatnot but it's just pete we're gonna see that at new york comic-con in in a variety of iterations
1: Absolutely. Um, and again, that's so important in terms of all, all the other things that go along with this film. Uh, but I, I think he was a really fully formed, excellent villain. You You saw his perspective if you didn't agree with it. And it's kind of hard to agree with it, but you know we know that there are people in our world that that have felt that way, and and the the downtrodden and the oppressed, and there is a fork in the road in terms of which way to go, and uh, he chose the wrong one. He he, he gets his comeuppance, uh, but damn if Michael B. Jordan doesn't eat up the screen every moment he's on it. Time to analyze and theorize. Matt, let's start with the heart-shaped herb. What exactly are the powers of the Black Panther absorbed from it? And are they all gone now since they burned the grove and he ingested the last of it to come back from near death? I appreciate that they
0: don't do some sort of, and with all due respect, some sort of Sam Raimi Spider Man uh, montage scene of Black Panther understanding his powers after he's had the uh, ha- had the the plant. There, uh, in retrospect, I read it as. The suit is powerful but only in the ways it's kind of described which is the, the uh you know to to absorb the kinetic energy and to serve as protection but that everything uh, and maybe if you want to say the uh the claws that that uh, that are so forceful and whatnot but other than that i kind of read it as the superhuman powers that we see the jumping the flipping and and, and so forth that that is the power of the black panther as for the future of black panther now that now that the grove has been burned i mean you can have a story uh the story out of oh well there was the second grove you know if that's what you <laughs> want to do in black panther 2 but i mean it, it appears right now that that the black panther mantle ends with uh ends with t'challa obviously that's not going to work super long term although not for nothing he's You know, we're probably going to have Chadwick Boseman playing Black Panther for, you know, a decade or two. So I guess that's just a problem to be figured out well later on.
1: Well, speaking of decades, Matt, how interesting that they purposefully revealed for the first time Ross is an ex-Air Force guy. If only Marvel had a movie about an Air Force pilot set in the 1990s coming out.
0: All right, so we spoke earlier about checking of boxes. Let's check in Captain Marvel. We'll have young Samuel L. Jackson. Wait a minute, Pete. Worst comes to worst, they can use the de aging software that. Wait a minute, Industrial Light and Magic, a division of Lucasfilm, a division of uh, the Walt Disney World or the Walt Disney Corporation, has used so successfully on. Um, wait a minute, a variety of other Disney properties like Pirates and uh, with Tony Stark in Civil War, so they could de age Samuel L. Jackson. They could keep Haley Atwell, her 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 wonderful rosy self, maybe age her up a little bit. Pete, you could do the same thing with Ross too. So let's imagine some sort of, you know, some sort of black haired Ross with a mustache. Some sort of, <laughs> I mean, Samuel L. Jackson is eternal, but whatever you need to do to him to make him look a little younger, um, I don't know, probably just somehow do some sort of nineties suit or whatever, I don't know, but you could have the three of them uh be be in Captain Marvel in supporting roles and it would all fit. It would all work and it would all be wonderful.
1: I have one for you, Matt, and it comes courtesy, uh, my brother, friend of the podcast here, Kevin, who is watching, uh, Black Panther right now. If you're hearing dings, it's because he's texting me and not watching the movie, which I've told him to go back and watch. (laughs) He wants to know how Killmonger got his vibranium lip tattoo. If he was born outside of Wakanda.
0: Well, I mean, I think, all you need is a little of the vibranium ink and a uh, a vibranium needle thing. I don't know. My wife watches the tattoo shows in the house. I don't watch those shows. Um, but all you need is that. Um, all you need is that, I guess. Uh, <laughs> unless, I mean, maybe if we're saying that the lip tattoo... I would be okay with the story conceit that the lip tattoo is not a tattoo, that it's a, a birthmark handed down by Wakandans, I mean, I know that that's that's maybe more far-fetched than, oh, they tatted this kid up because they had a, you know, because they got, got a tattoo machine out, but you know, the that there's vibranium in their blood and something like that, Pete. I'm going. I'm sticking with the the tattoo gun thing. There, it, t- it's his Kevin way Broms to prove
1: out. the legitimacy of his claim that he he belongs. Uh, I like to think of it as a social security number. You know, you're born in the United States, you get your so social security number. Uh, he's got dual citizenship, so so there you go. Last one from me, Matt. Uh, Bucky here. Call me Bucky at the end. Missing the robot arm, seemingly freed of his programming that Shuri seems to have undone. Is he the next Captain America?
0: Uh, Pete, only a few people know the answer to that to, to that question, and that is uh Chris Evans, his lawyer, his agent, <laughs> and uh Tim <laughs> I mean I, I suppose and Sebastian. Well, Pete, Sebastian Stan might not even know. I mean, not,
1: He might not be the, the next Captain America. There's well, no, another guy. What, uh, what I was going to say
0: is this. If you're killing off Cap at the end of one of these next two Avengers movies and it is a lockdown secret, like he knows he's coming back for a reshoot, wink, wink. We've decided he's not going to renew his contract. Handshakes all went around. There was a steak dinner and there were some tears and champagne, but he's not coming back. All right, he's coming back for that contractually required reshoot, which, wink, wink, is actually going to be the death scene, which is going to be done in front of a green screen, et cetera, et cetera. Meanwhile, Sebastian Stan's like, well, I'm on movie five of nine. He might have no idea that he's about to be mm-hmm. made uh, Captain America. Um, uh, if indeed it even is him. I mean, I think there's uh, th- there's uh, the opportunity that you could see Falcon elevated to some yep. sort of Captain America Falcon hybrid or whatever it might be um we'll know a lot look pete my feeling is not you know not to turn this into uh an an avengers podcast here but i think that they don't make it out of the next two movies without killing someone off i think you might see someone killed off someone major frankly either tony stark or or uh, captain america killed off for good in this next movie
1: time to check the wire
0: Pete, we ran a poll on Twitter talking specifically about the box office predictions uh, for this. My prediction uh, was for the three-day, and there's a whole other nerdy discussion about the three-day box office versus the four-day box office because it's a holiday in these United States on Monday. But we're just looking at three-day because it's a fun poll uh, for what the box office will be. I said 125. You said 154. People could also vote to, uh, to um Oh, with, with their own thoughts, uh, Pete. A lowly five percent voted for me. Seventy percent went for you. <laughs> so with far, the, with, Forty, so forty-three
1: far. votes. There's uh, there's some some days left there that you can influence that.
0: Um, some some votes from uh, from uh, people on Twitter. Uh, Hal Haney says one hundred eighty-seven million dollars. Um,
1: Just so he can say Black Panther hollered 187, which
0: (laughs) I I thought was inspired. Uh, Teresa Kentner says 189.5 million. Uh, She also asked if there's a prize. Pete, we weren't planning on doing a prize, but there we got. uh, There is now. (laughs) Yeah, there is now. We got a Black Panther uh, AM. I don't know whether it was AMC, but Dolby Theater, whatever, whatever. So, uh, yes, there's going to be a prize. Uh, uh, Mary Kirk said 171 million. Uh, we have, uh, that's court at, uh, gen D D E V E, uh, 180 million, um, Moo points pod coming in at a rather low. In my opinion, 109 million. And Patrick Lugo, who's at rebel Avenger two one nine saying 185 million. Easy. Put it in the bag. Time will tell Pete. I know you
1: left out maybe the most important prognosticator, Matt. And that being, uh, LMD Mary, uh, at geek Kirk, um, Mary Kirk with 171 million.
0: I think I did mention her, but regardless, Mary okay. is all, she's always worth. She's worth, mentions.
1: she's worth a double, uh, double mention there as a, as a top Patreon as well. Um, so here, here's the thing it's Price's right rules and, uh, closest, Uh, without going over for that so uh, get your vote in if you haven't and we will uh, inform the winner uh, once we know that number
0: one more bit of communication before we start to wrap things up here sent to us under the wire as it were an email all the way from australia from our pal jeremy who says just like dr strange was different I love that Black Panther was its own entity. Unique cinematography, camera angles, very African. I like how they didn't dumb down the accents or tribalness of the culture that is at the heart of this movie. And I like that it made me dislike Michael B. Jordan's character because of his Americanness and utter contempt for the Wakandan culture and traditions. He was so brash, so dismissive of the Wakandans for not thinking like him. Excellent email there, Jeremy. Some fantastic thoughts there as well. Uh, it is a tad rough for us making the, uh, the American be the villain, but uh, in the end, Black Panther certainly was the winner. Well, having seen Black Panther in a packed theater, to be completely honest, Pete, in a theater that uh, had a more diverse audience than, uh, than normal, we are all winners. This is a great movie, a great time at the movies, a movie that asks us to reflect while we're having this great fun time with you know people in their underwear dancing around, fighting each other with lasers and whatnot, we're able to also look at these deeper, uh, these deeper topics. We're then able to get the 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 top production from from these luminaries in front of and behind the camera, and uh, I just walked away feeling like this was a complete meal, and I w- I was sated, my senses were sated, I was intellectually stirred. And uh, just just a phenomenal, phenomenal film in Black Panther.
1: And the success of this film is thankfully only going to lead to more efforts like this uh, diverse casts bring in diverse clientele and how important this representation is there is a generation of children who are going to go and see this regardless of the color of their skin and be absorbed into a really entertaining yet thoughtful universe in this film and the stories they will come up with as a result of it that will impact film indelibly it's Really, really exciting and intriguing for me. So, again, long overdue. I'm so grateful for what we got here and uh, looking forward to more of it. Pete, we cannot
0: start to wrap things up without thanking everyone who supports us on patreon.com slash fantastic geek. It makes what... Is going on possible and makes future things possible pete it even makes the future secret thing possible that we're mm-hmm. not going to mention quite yet but we locked in earlier today more on that pop culture podcast listeners bottom line is we'll let you know about that uh that goodie when it happens but thank you again people who support us on patreon
1: whether you're at the mary kirk level uh and you get your estimate measured twice mentioned twice or whether (laughs) you're you're just there at the at the dollar level matt for exclusive podcast content that everybody gets uh get yourself over to patreon p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash fantastic geek all one word with the ph today
0: Pete, the greatest gift is being able to talk to you on Twitter. It's like vibranium for the (laughs) tweets. How can people be in touch with you?
1: You can find me on Twitter at Peter, P-I-E-T-E-R-J, K-E-T-E-L-A-A-R, 9,779 followers.
0: Can't be wrong. And while I'm personally on Twitter as Looking Back Lost, be in touch with the podcast, won't you? Visit FantasticGeek.com, email FantasticGeek at gmail.com. Check us out on Twitter and Instagram, where we are FantasticGeek
1: as well. With that, Pete, there's more, isn't there? facebook.com slash fantastic geek all one word it's like our own wakanda matt you know we, we we've got this you you get in by liking it and get through the force field and then our tribes can have all sorts of conversations
0: well for those listening on the pop culture podcast which is many of you of course pete mentioning the marvel movie podcast uh before but if you're listening on the pop culture podcast we'll be back in a couple of days to wrap up season one of star trek discovery if you're listening on the marvel movie podcast we'll talk to you again in uh may where we have not one but two offerings to hit the you know in in marvel movie dumb with that pete i will say adios to all our listeners and give you the final
1: word What happens now determines what happens to the rest of the world.